Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today we have Mr. Rex Steven, Rex Steven Sykes, <laughs> if I can get that out. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let me bring Rex on. Rex, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a great show to be on, and I'm thrilled to be your guest. You are a fabulous host, and I and I love what you do. Thank you. I really appreciate that. No, you're I, I love doing this. You know, I've um, I, I've been I well, it's been almost what two and a half, almost three years. Um, and and I've I've interviewed over three hundred and something <laughs> i don't even know but but I, I gotta tell you it's i find that it's really um inspiring and healing when we hear other people's stories about how they overcame hard times and um and what they do to to win in life so um that's what this is about so why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised i was born on the planet earth <laughs> and raised right here. <laughs> that's that's not general at all. <laughs> grain fed. I was grain fed and and uh, a meat eater. Um, so yeah. I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Wisconsin, and uh, I'm currently in Wisconsin. I go back and forth between Wisconsin and Los Angeles. And as soon as I hi Edna and Scott, good morning. As soon as I could, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in movies. But from a very early age. Um, my goal was to be either an actor or a mystic. And of course my dogs in the background are now barking out the window. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's what dogs do. Actors. So, yeah. So, so, um, so you're currently in Wisconsin, you said. Yeah. Well, uh, I go back and forth and, uh, but this year I've been here because of circumstances. So I haven't yeah. been yeah. traveling and I've, 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 sheltered at home. I go to the dog park. Yeah. Know, I go out yeah. and get supplies. But uh, I've I've lived a hermit life actually. Uh I'm online, you know, so I teach yeah. online and I do things online and, and Zoom and, and so like this. Shh, quiet, quiet. This is important. Not to you, but to me. <laughs> and, so so you, you you were saying and uh and so I go back and forth and uh but uh not this year. <laughs> In fact, this year at this time last year, I was I was uh, completing a movie called Shooting Star, directed by Michael Pfeiffer and produced by Michael and a and a good guy named Peter Shereko, who was a, a Texas Jack in um, Tombstone. Okay. And uh, great guys and uh, stars Michael Parry and a bunch of other people and. And um, and so in my feed and Facebook, you know, I get all these memories of of being home last year and. And uh, but it's nice. It's getting cold. I mean, you're in Ohio, right? So you know it's getting cold. Yeah, it's uh, currently 32, beautifully warm degrees here in Ohio. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We uh, we've been lucky. We have two days, two weeks of apparently no moisture. So we'll be snowing yeah. a little bit, but then who knows? 
I think it gets a little colder up in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm pretty you know, sure. here's, here's an interesting thing. When I first moved back to Wisconsin as an adult, I mean, I, I moved to, to raise my children, essentially. I drove in, I drove into Michigan. I drove into Michigan, and when I drove into Michigan, come here, girl, come here, come here. I drove into Michigan. Uh, it was nine o'clock, which would normally be dark in Wisconsin. It was still light, and at ten o'clock, it was still light. And I'm going, "What on earth is going on? This is so bizarre." And then I realized, "Oh, of course, daylight saving time, Eastern oh, time." Yeah. Later. Well, the same thing happened. I was doing a gig, a show in uh, Ohio, in Iowa, and mm -hmm. December and. In December here at 4.30 in the afternoon, it's dark. And so as I drive into Iowa and where I'm going, it's still light at like 6. And I and I call somebody up and said, it is dark in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with this world? We live in this ribbon, and Texas is included, but right straight down through the yep. country. That is the darkest spot in the country. Wow. Darkest and, and partly the coldest. And, yeah. and You know, I remember when I lived in Seattle – it used to, in the winter, they, it gets dark at like three 30 in the afternoon or something insane. I'm like, the heck is going on out here? No, no wonder everybody's depressed out here. It's true. It's amazing what the darkness does yeah. to people, but yeah. I don't think it's just the darkness because if I'm, I lived in Los Angeles and it was dark at, you know, five 30 or six o'clock. Yeah. That wasn't so bad. It's it's yeah. like the darkness and the cold. You know, the yeah. you can't go anywhere without it being kind of you know snowy or wet or you know something. So, yeah. I, I, you know, but yeah, if you're living in the sunshine and it gets dark early, I, I think you're fine. <laughs> so 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 you did you so you went to like grade school and high school and all that in Wisconsin. I, I graduated high school at sixteen or seventeen, and then I moved to California. Okay, L.A. L.A. And okay. uh, I grew up with, uh, I mean, my friends at the time were people like Miguel Ferrer and his family, Rosemary Clooney, yeah. Sean Cassidy, Billy Moomy from Lost in Space, uh, Ken Schreiner is one of my oldest friends uh, uh, from General Hospital, uh, just a whole host of, of uh, we hung around and tore up Hollywood as best we could. Wow. And you don't know Glenn Morshower. That's, that's crazy. You know, and, I, I and, and it's likely that our paths have crossed and it's likely yeah. we've had breakfast somewhere together. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, he, he still has a place in North Hollywood. So yeah. in West Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so you went to um, LA mm -hmm. to be an actor and um, did, how did that go when you first got out there? Did you immediately land some big blockbuster roles? And <laughs> no, I would today, but I didn't then. But back then, it was a very different world. There was non-union movies and union, and I was very successful in in working in non-union movies. And I joined the Screen Actors Guild in seventy four or seventy five. You know, I was uh, nineteen, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, it uh, once you joined the union, it was a whole different story. It, 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 I could work all the time in non-union, which was iffy. You never knew for sure if you're going to get paid. And it had the uh, reputation of being dark and dank and, you know, definitely don't do it if you, if you value your life and your career. Um, but joining the Screen Actors Guild, suddenly, you know, kind of everything comes to a screeching halt because now, you know, you have, but I was glad to have joined the Screen Actors Guild, but it's a, it's a different world and yeah. big fan of it. Hey, Ray, how are you? How are you? Awesome. Thank you, Ray. Um, and I'm a big fan of yours. 
Thank you. Um, so no, it was tough. I mean, you know, and 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 when we come to, you know, talking about it, I from a child on, from a, from the time I was four, I wanted to be an actor. From the time I was about six or seven, I wanted to be a priest or a mystic. So I wanted to combine those, and and I have successfully combined those. I'm kind of an acting odd mystic, and um. By the time I was eleven, I you know I hit well at seven. I had my mom start reading me like the Bhagavad Gita and Napoleon Hill and think you know and and. Uh, uh, different thought leaders, East and West. And and by the time I was 11, I was practicing hypnosis and doing things. And so that all carried through, you know, I was through my high school and then into LA. And then when I got into LA, I really hunkered down and started pursuing the the movie business and and kind of abandoned the practice of meditation and hypnosis and everything, it, kind of in the background for about five years. And then I had a huge catastrophe. I was about 25 years old and uh, my life fell apart. I had gone skydiving. I write about it, by the way, in my book, Life on Your Terms. So if anybody is interested, they can read a, a little bit of the story. I don't go into too much depth, but yeah, I was, I was prescribed a fatal combination of pills by a, a medical doctor in Beverly Hills, um, having had an injury while skydiving. And, uh, that's the last thing I remembered for months. I mean, it, it literally, the, everybody was like, you're a walking miracle. You should be dead. You should be in a coma. There's no reason why you're alive. And, uh, and uh, I, I lost most of my friends. I ruined my career. I lost a girlfriend. Uh, and, uh, but most importantly, I, I tried to kill myself. I jumped out of a two-story window and landed on my head. And it didn't work. So I ran around and went back up to do it again. But I'd locked myself out. <laughs> so. Oh, jeez. So I couldn't do it. And what's funny is I later, you know, I saw the movie The Tenant with Roman Polanski and, and there is that theme in it where he keeps jumping out of a window trying to kill himself. And that's essentially what I was trying to do. So it was a, a low point in my life. But that said, um, I've had two or three low points in my life that were just major catastrophes. Again, when I was about 33, so about eight years later and about the time I was 48 or about 50 or something like that. Uh, where things just uh, blew up, exploded, fell apart, and uh, or went down the toilet, or however you want to put it. Uh, but the one thing, the thread that has run through all of this is I always felt that I was supposed to be here. I survived everything. My time obviously had not come. Yeah. And there was a light in me that needed to be expressed and and that would see it through. Um, I didn't always feel that way. I mean, that I had to work on during the first catastrophe. That's where I locked myself in my apartment. I sat in a chair for six weeks. I got up, I went to the bathroom, I, you know, ate, ate and stuff like that. But I said, I'm not going to leave until I can go out and face the world again at, with confidence and claim my life back. And so I sat in a chair, I did hypnosis and I did affirmations and I did everything. And that's when I realized that everything I had learned up to then was wrong. And I had this epiphany that changed everything. Yeah. And, and from that point on, I crawled out of my apartment. I mean, you know, I, I, I got up, I got out of my apartment and uh, and made a life for myself again. And what I learned was how to direct my mind. And how, how old were you again? I was 25. 25. Okay. okay. Or 25, 26 when the breakthrough happened. But I mean, I was around, around my 25th birthday is when the whole thing fell apart. Wow. So, um, you know, there's some, we have some parallels a little bit. Um, I had a big epiphany like that at 35 ish. Um, 
I was about a year sober. I, I'm, I've been sober for over 18 years. Congratulations. Um, thank it's you. Totally yeah, awesome question. It's a gift. Yeah. Um, and and so I remember reading M. Scott Peck's book, The Road right. Less Traveled. And and I had this huge epiphany after meditation one day. So we'll talk about that later. But I think that it's interesting that um, you had this epiphany. First off, you you, you couldn't even kill yourself, right? <laughs> so. you know, I get, this is how, how bizarre it is. You didn't know this, but this is exactly what I did. I literally landed on the top, on the crown of my head. I went through a tree. There was a cat in the top of the tree. I went through the key, tree and the cat. I landed like this and fell over. And when I, what I oh landed on was a spike that went right up my back, missed my skull, that was sticking out by this by the trunk of this tree, and I oh it was on my back. Gosh! And I fell over, and I went, "Crap!" <laughs> I, and I and I was like, "I killed Wendy's cat! I killed Wendy's cat!" And I <laughs> ran around yelling, "I've killed the cat!" And my parents were visiting because my sister had called them and said, "There's something majorly wrong with Rex. We don't know what's going on. He's he's falling apart." So I ran past them. They were in a downstairs apartment, ran up and couldn't get in. <laughs> like, wow. You know, but, but, and, and literally the, I mean, I was standing at the door. I said goodbye to my mom. I turned around and went, you know, and <laughs> bolted. I ran right through Jeez. the post and left right out without a second thought. Oh my Lord, have mercy. So, so and, and I was about 30. I was in a major car accident that almost killed me. And again, I should have been dead. I was left frozen. I went to get help. I got beat up. I was, I went to the cops for help. They then said, Oh, you're making the whole thing up. I had blood all over my head. I'd torn my, uh, all the cartilage out of my knee and I tore my heel loose from my foot. And it was about 35 below. I was visiting in the Midwest trying to get help. And, and, uh, and that, that, that became a huge legal thing where they were saying, I had concocted this whole thing. I, I went for help. I literally went for help. I, I knocked on the first door of an apartment that was lit where I, because I hit ice and I went into a, a, a retaining wall. Sure. And, and uh, so when I came to, I'd gone through the windshield, my head, the whole thing. I came to, and uh, I, I, about an hour later, apparently, and I, and I, I saw a light and I went to the light and I knocked on the door and, and just like in the movies, this girl opens the door and I said, ah, and I poof, fell onto her floor in her thing. So she called her boyfriend, who was a bouncer at a bar, and he and three guys came back, picked me up by my throat, threw me down some steps, threw me out in the middle of a street. Turns out he had been in prison for assault and battery on cops. And uh, and so the whole thing became a whole another big fiasco. And I spent about six months in the legal situation where they ultimately realized I was the victim and they dismissed everything. And Hey Rex, the, there's something wrong with your internet. Um, you mind refreshing your page and popping out and back in real quick? Sure. That's really it's, bizarre. It, it's you're frozen. So he'll be right back with us. What an interesting story. Gemini Christmas. Okay, here we go. There, let's see if that's any better. Am I good? You're frozen. You're there. You're 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 there. It's choppy. That's all. The audio is what I was most concerned about. I, I couldn't hear. You. Couldn't understand. Um, so, yeah, it's the video's freezing, but that's okay. Try it. Let's 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 see if we can still hear you. Let me try going solo layout for you. Hello, hello. Okay. 
Any good? Yeah. yeah, I think you're good. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the the point is that through any of the circumstances, and there are others, but you know, it's not. It's not. The only reason I share these is because people have gone through far worse things than I have, and they've endured far worse for far longer. People have been in concentration camps. They've been in prison. They've been in, you know, held hostage. They've been, you know, um, I've been at gunpoint five or six times, you know, in my life, you know, guns to my face, you know, from people trying to hold me up or whatever. And through it all, I'm just like, you know what? Life is good. You know, it, it, you make it a party, get up, go on. That was, you know, a bump in the road and uh, and keep moving forward. Sometimes it's a little it's 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 tougher to do that when you're going through it. But, you know, in looking back, I go, you know, both of those and and the other uh, terrible times in my life have been life defining moments in which I've changed. I've transformed. My world has gotten incredibly better. I have gotten better. So my message is, is learn how to direct your mind and your feelings and and do create the best life you can. And, and you, and if you intend to do that, you will do that. Attitude yeah. is everything. Attitude is the number one predictor for success in almost everything and especially in healing and in medicine. So it's, it's one of those things where if you can develop a positive and powerful attitude, a, a, a certainty and a faith in yourself and, or a higher power, the universe, God, whomever you, you choose. And, um, and just keep going, you know, you adjust and you continue, you adjust and you continue. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, well, so you're a law of attraction expert and you're in NLP and all these different things. So life must be perfect. And I go, <laughs> it is perfect. It's perfectly chaotic at times and it's perfectly calm at other times. It's perfectly happy. And it's, it's what it is and it's all good. And, and what I've learned through all of it is if you consider everything a blessing, everything is a blessing. So celebrate everything. Hi, Robert. How are you? And, um, Amen. I totally agree with that, by the way. And I, I'm wondering, because uh, I just ch checked on my phone, you seem to be coming through crystal clear on my phone, but on my computer, it's it's not. It's the craziest. I've never seen that happen. That is, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, and is your computer recording it or is it recording it off site? No, it's it's going to stream. It's StreamYard servers. Maybe it's fine. Uh, yeah, I think it is actually. I, I may, I may, um, may ask you a question and refresh real quick. But, um, but so, so, so at twenty, so was it at twenty five then that you realized that you could control your mind and you got into the meditation and and all of that? Is that when when it really started for you? I had, well, I had been involved in meditation and and directing my mind and the hypnosis and everything, but that's. Because of that catastrophe, I get when I, I got to get serious about this. And I got to, so I went into, like I said, I went in my living room, sat in an easy chair, put myself, you know, under and then started affirming and, hypno, and hypnotizing and, I mean, and, and affirming and visualizing. Yeah. And, um, and nothing seemed to work. And I, I'll tell you what the key was. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, it's in my book, but, but I've taught it now for 40 years and, uh, or longer than that, actually. The, um, what I discovered was I kept saying, why did this happen to me? What's wrong with me? How come I suck? Why is life so, why did she do that? Why did he do this way? And at some point it dawned on me. I was like, how long is this going to take? And I thought, I don't want it to take long. Why am I asking how long it's going to take? How soon is this going to change? <laughs> you know, how quickly can I make this change? 
Right. How easily can I make this change? And I redirected my mind. And how quickly can I find myself feeling confident? And where do I feel confident? And if I were completely confident, how would I look and sound and act and feel? And it was by directing my questions and asking different questions. Where Because here's the thing, Ken. If I ask you, what's the capital of Arizona? It's a closed question. You, you know, you, you have the information. You can go Flagstaff, you know, or Sacramento is the California capital. But if I say, how much fun might you, will you have today? You don't know. You, yeah, could, right. you could say, I won't have any fun. And you could make that assertion or declaration. Um, or you could say, I don't know. Uh, and I'm willing to find out. <laughs> and if you're willing to find out, the tip of the tongue phenomenon is something that I, I love because it's, you know, you go, who is this person? Who is this person? I can't think. Uh, who is that actor? What was his name? Oh, Clark Gable, right? Right. When you, when you give up, when you release, when you let go, the brain gets it. And the brain goes, um, here, let me give you the information. The, the more you try and the more you struggle and the more you fight, the, the harder it is to get that. So you go, oh, it'll come to me, right? Well, what this tells you is that it's called transderivational search. And what this tells you is that the brain continues to look for the answer to your question or to the search that you've posed, even once you stop. Right. You, so, I, I, my, my wife um, is, I, I like to say she's a recovering Catholic. Uh -huh. <laughs> Me too, Me too actually. So, but the prayer of St. Anthony, when you find, when you lose something, um, I, I abbreviated it by saying, Tony, Tony, come on down, help us find what can't be found. Here you go. Like, Don't do that. That's disrespectful. <laughs> like, anyway, um, so, you know, but I, I, I've said this. I'm like, the reason that it works isn't because some ethereal saint appears out of nowhere. It's you're, you're, you're literally taking your mind off of what, what the mind thinks the answer is right. and and right like well i always lay my car keys right here and they're not here so you look in the same spot and you're like they're not here this is where i always lay them and and if you take your brain off of what it thinks the answer should be the the real answer can appear oh absolutely absolutely i completely agree we, we often have to overcome our solution to the problem in order to actually get the solution because right. what we think may work is based on old information from the past. It's based on our conditioning, based on our experience. So what we're dealing with now may be completely different or outside of our programming. So we have to stop, release, let go, and be willing to look for new things. My daughter had a, one of these epiphanies last night. We were on the computer and the phone and we were looking at stuff and and uh, and she was doing something at home and and couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden it was, there it was, you know. And I, and I said to her, I said, that's just the same way opportunities appear. And she goes, what? She goes, oh, she, she said, is, is, uh, here's, she, they bought a van. She and her boyfriend bought a van to travel across the country. And she said, now I see these vans all over the place, which I never noticed before. And I said, well, that's your reticular activating system. Yeah. That is your brain, you know, uh, because now a van is important to you. You notice it everywhere. Yeah. We talk about that to tell people, hey, you know what? There's opportunities all around you that you're missing. But the same thing is true when you have troubles and and problems and solutions that you think are are going to fix it. You create more of the same, or you see more of the same. It works whether it's a, a positive thing or a not positive thing. 
you know, you create whether it's good or whether it's not good. You, you know, your your brain doesn't just stop working. It just it's how you direct it. Yeah. So you're either directed down a path that leads to like hell <laughs> or yeah. you're to a path that goes to heaven, you yeah. know, and you have to stop and you have to switch from one to the other, go, I'm heading in the wrong direction Yep. and then go to the new one. But wherever you travel, look at the sites, you know, yeah. I mean, you have a tour guide that goes, Hey, look at all the pretty things on the way to hell. Yeah. There's I mean, there's, there's, and I, I agree with you, man. I, I think that, you know, I was talking to my mom yesterday. My mom and my dad both have COVID right now, nice. and and they've had it since before Thanksgiving, and and uh, they're they're fine. Um, my my mom's got a bad cough, and and I said, um, I said, well, how are you? And she's like, you know, <laughs> and 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 I'm like, mom, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm I'm good. And I go, okay, good. And and she's like. I hope I make it through this. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, you hope you're going to make it through it. Like you got like, turn on the movie. What about Bob? Cause in the <laughs> beginning, he's like, I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta beat this thing with your mind, you know, because it is possible. And, and so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're right. But I, I'm just saying, I, I am in agreement with everything that you're saying. Like, you can direct your mind and the body follows oftentimes, most of the time, what the mind believes. Oh, God, absolutely. You know, the thing is, is that things, there's a season. It takes some time. You know, when you plant a seed, it takes a while. So you may not see the results automatically. And this is yep. where people give up. And that's part of our culture. We have this, if first you don't succeed, try, try again. Yep. And yep. then stop, you know. Um, yeah. Strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. You know, you run first, second, third base, and home. Right. We, we don't we we don't tend to embrace get into it for the long haul. And no matter what it takes, you can do it. So persist. Right. You know, we've become um having been involved in neurolinguistic programming since the 70s and and meditation before that and hypnosis, what I've watched is it's scary, frankly. I mean, and my degrees are my degree is in communication, but I, I could have degreed in psychology and anthropology and sociology as well, but I chose just to get out of school. Yeah. Um, so my background is in psychology. I worked as a as a therapist for a while in, in California as well. But but the point is, is I think it's a combination of media, and by that I don't mean a nefarious combination, but it's a combination of media and psychology that has pointed out that that people have problems and then they coddle them. Like I was watching this thing on, on, on COVID and sheltering and, and they were telling you, by the way, stop watching a daily death count. You know, it's, yeah. it's not good to do that. You know, no. and all the negative news. I mean, they do it because they have ratings and they're responsible and for all sorts of reasons and purposes. But my, my um, going back to the original premise, um, they, because of the 24-7 news cycle and, and the need to fill it, and now that the newsroom is no longer a loss leader but a profit center, um, yep. everything gets reported up to the minute. Breaking news, breaking news, now on social media, breaking news, breaking news. So in the realm of psychology, what they said was, you know, it, people, people sheltering at home are going to have problems. I'm like, well, why would you tell people that? Right. 
Why wouldn't you say, hey, guess what? You get to shelter at home. Other people had to shelter in a hut or in a prison cell. You're sheltering at home. You've got Netflix. Right. you got the comfort of your home. Even if you don't have much, you're better off than most people. You'll get through this, but they don't. They say, psychologists say this will lead to anxiety and depression and fear and anxiety, and worse things could happen as a result. And you know what? That kind of programming and conditioning is the stuff we grew up with that we need to, to, to drop. And, yeah. and we're being programmed again. I don't mean this nefariously, but we're being programmed every day by our culture, um, by the media, by your friends, by your family, and by your own conditioning. You're just running old tapes that keep keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. They're just being triggered, and it's time to just say, you know what? I'm going to release. I'm going to let go. I'm going to relax. I'm going to learn a new way, and I'm going to direct myself in a positive way. Um, we were talking Hollywood, and 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 here's another example. There are a lot of people move out to Hollywood and go, I'll try it for a year. I'll try it for three years, five years, whatever. Yeah. You can't do that with Hollywood. Hollywood's overnight success is 10 to 15 years. I'm sure Glenn will tell you that. Yeah. And I always say that Hollywood isn't, is, you know, is, is it an overnight success is 15 years unless you're an eight-year-old child. Because, right. you know, if you're an eight-year-old child, obviously you didn't. Right. But, but you have to work it. So if you say, I'm going to do it for this long, it's probably not going to happen. And you're saying, unless I get a break within the year, I'm going to quit. So you're already, you're already quit. You've already, you know, yeah. you're waiting for something to happen outside yourself. The key is, is you have to make it happen. You go, I intend this, therefore I create it. You're a creator. The law of attraction is about creation more than it is about attraction. Although that is a big part of it. I mean, I, you do I, I, people I, Totally agree with you. Glenn talks about he he's into metaphysics and 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 he's a speaker and and you know motivator and he talks about he he tells a story about when he was he had a group of actors of I don't know a hundred actors. There he is. He's he's on with us right now. Hey, yeah. And and I'm gonna butcher his story, but he says you know he asks the audience how many of you came to L.A to pursue a career in acting. And he said, inevitably a hundred percent of the hand, you know, they go all go up. And, and he said the, the this, this right here is worth the price of admission. I didn't come to Hollywood to pursue a career. I came to Hollywood to have a career. And that's exactly what you just said. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah, and when I was a young guy, when you asked me about my initial success, I couldn't see myself succeeding. I couldn't visualize. I could see myself falling. I could see myself screwing up. I could see myself yeah. being broke and bankrupt and, and wrong. <laughs> I had to train my brain to be able to see me accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And yeah. I, grew up, I grew up with a fairly easy life. I mean, I had a middle-class lifestyle. My parents were both doctors. I mean, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't beaten and locked in a cave. Yeah. But I had to train my mind to be able to go after the things I wanted because I lived my entire life by default. Something happened, I felt good. If something bad happened, I felt bad. I yeah. was a victim of circumstances. I'm like that little cork bobbing in the water. And I had to say, you know what? And that's what I did at 25. I need to take control of my life. And I need to start with my head. Yeah. I'm thinking the wrong thoughts. And I'm having the wrong results. And crap is happening to me. And if I don't straighten this out, I will die. You know, I will die. So, and I don't want to do that. So, um, was there, was there a moment? Was, was, was it a, um, you know, I mentioned the, that I was in the mid, I had just finished reading the book, the road less traveled. 
Uh And, and then, then, you know, I started reading books by Dr. Wayne Dyer and John D. Martini and, and, and all these other amazing people. And, 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 and so there was a, a moment, but the actual transformation for me occurred over time. Did you find that to be true with you as well? Yeah. I mean, everything I have had instantaneous awakenings, uh, Yep. That have, you know, in an instant, everything has changed. Right. And other things have taken time. And even when you wake up, it's just like when you wake up in the morning, there's a process you go through. And some of that streamlined, you know, as, as you live your life. But yeah. it's a process of awakening. And so, um, and, and this goes back to what we said, I said before, is that um, people don't get in it for the long haul. They pursue a career, but they don't have a career. And you have to realize Nobody's going to do it for you. I mean, you, right. can, you can hope that God is going to give it to you or that some producer will find you or some banking executive will hire you or whatever. You can put all your faith in outside of yourself, which is very magical and mysterious and mystical thinking, and it doesn't serve you and it doesn't work. Put your faith and your in yourself and be certain that you can accomplish. Napoleon Hill said this, and, it, and it's truly beautiful, and so many people misunderstand Napoleon Hill, but but in many ways. But he said, you know, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And he said, you notice I didn't say you will achieve it because I don't know what you'll do with it. Right. I you you may do it, you may not. That's so I say you can. But if you believe it, if you can conceive it and you believe it, then you can achieve it. The key is is the belief. And it's not believing like I believe in Santa Claus or I believe that on Saturday, you know, good things are going to happen at this party. It's the certainty that comes with uh, having an, an obsession or, or passion around what you're doing. I will do this regardless. I don't care who's going to throw what at me. I am going to do it. And right. I will get it done. And that's it, period. And that that is the attitude you have to have. And then you can lighten it up some. You know, In other words, you don't want to go through life militant. The notion of – and here's a myth of massive action. You know, you hear this, take massive action. You don't have to take massive action. It's good sometimes. Yeah. You know, like if you have to push something you want, you you know, you need that extra oomph. But in your daily life and in your career, thanks, Glenn. And a happy Tuesday to you. I will see you later. And I look forward to, to, to chatting with you. Yeah. The, um, you do, you, it's like how you eat a meal. You don't take the meal and shove it into your face and then go, I'm done. Right. Although some people may. What you do is bite by bite. And if you're really smart, you chew it up really well so that you savor it and you prepare it for digestion. Um, I'm a kind of person who chews like three times and swallows. So I had to learn to chew. And the longer you chew, the more flavor is released and the enzymes and sets up digestion. So it's better for your health. But bite by bite, inch by inch, step by step. As someone once said, if you take enough steps in the right direction, baby steps, you can get to the top of Mount Everest. And so you yeah. don't have to power your way through everything. Sometimes you just have to relax and release and let go or ask yourself a different question. The best thing you can do is just find a way to feel great more of the time. Stop thinking about problems and and situations and events and people that bother you and the news and everything else and find ways to feel good. Get a massage, take a sauna, skip, play with a dog or a child, have a fun time, you know, improve your attitude. Um, I have a product called the Attitude Activator, which, and I put out 
bestseller, and I, and, I, and I don't mean this as a shameless plug, but I'm saying attitude is so important that if you can if you can get your attitude straightened out, yeah, when you get your mindset right, you you start feeling better, you start talking better. As a result, you start behaving better, and you start getting better results. That can take a little bit of time, or it can happen almost instantaneously in in some cases. However, it happens. It's good that it's happening. I mean, that's that. I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. And, and, you know, we all know who Tony Robbins is, and he's an NLP master as well. Um, do you know Wyatt Woodsmall? I do. I do. Wyatt yeah. and I work together for Bandleroo. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's awesome. Um, Wyatt, I, I think the last time I saw Wyatt in person was in an airport. I think we ran into each other in an airport, and I know that, that uh, Joe – and, and Wyatt and I, we're, we're trying to connect Wyatt and I and get back in touch and, um, and yeah. we've connected on Facebook, but we haven't had a, a meaningful conversation yet. And I'm looking forward to that. Wyatt's a, he's a great man. And, and so, so, you know, but, but Tony talks about, um, and he does this in his seminars, getting into to state, right? Get, and that's what you were kind of talking about there mm-hmm. is getting your attitude right, getting your body right, getting everything into the right state before you attack something but what i've what i've found um and and maybe you could touch on this a little bit rex is you know you can go to a seminar or or a webinar and 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 go walk on fire and 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 all of that stuff um and people get fired up and they're all excited about life and i'm gonna go become a billionaire tomorrow and 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 then um, then they, they get home and, and life continues and it comes at them and, and all of the, the, the environmental things. And, and within a couple of weeks, it's like they were never at a Tony Robbins seminar. <laughs> right. I'm really glad you brought this up. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, for me personally, when I, when I, when I stopped drinking at 34 years old, I like, I mean, I saw, I was in some meetings with some Matt, one guy worth $600 million that is a massive guitarist celebrity. And, and I'm like, I want, I mean, he's showing up in a freaking Bentley convertible to AA meetings. And I'm like, I want what he has. And, and and I, I want it right now. I all right, God, I quit drinking. I'm good now. Let's roll. And and so there wasn't, you know, I wasn't. I I didn't want to wait. I wanted it right now, and I wanted the change right now. And I think that a lot of people are unreasonable in their expectations of the season. What you talked about the season, right? How do you get? How do you, how do I say this? How do you convince somebody that this is a, this is a season thing? Like there's, this is going to take some time for you to change. I think, I think you need to look, I'm really glad you brought this up because this is something I, I literally have talked about for 40 years and, and in my workshops and, and everywhere. Um, our culture, I mean, think about it. When, it, it. when we first arrived on the shores of the USA, whether that was a good thing or not, we're here. Um, reg- and regardless of what happened, it took as long as it took to get from the East Coast to the West Coast. And people endured great hardship and they went by horse or wagon train or foot. And it took them, in some cases, years. Because that's what they knew. 
right? And we have grown up, most of us, with air travel and car travel and talking about time travel and space and, and, and instant on television and pills that supposedly work like magic. And, and we have all these, all these myths and, and examples of, you know, you don't want to wait for your coffee to boil here. Get this pot. It'll boil in water in a minute. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. We are conditioned to want it yesterday. Right. And we want it now. And if we don't get it now, and like I said, if, if, if we don't get it within three tries, we give up. Right. The thing about massive action and firewalks and controlling your state, state management. What I was talking about, attitude, attitude activator. Attitude doesn't mean pumped up. It can. Sure. It can mean quietly confident. It can mean curiously uh, fascinated, childish you know, innocence. It can mean giddy and happy. It can mean serious and and to the point. You, you want the right attitude for the right circumstance in the right context. The thing about the firewalk and getting all pumped up and going to a seminar like that is that a lot of people never have those breakthroughs. And so it's nice. You go out, you, you walk on fire and you go, you know what, if I did that, I can do anything. Right. The problem right. with it, the problem with those seminars done that way where it's a pump-up seminar, is you release massive amounts of adrenaline. And what does adrenaline do to the body? It's the fight-or-flight drug. Right. You run or you flee. You prepare to fight or you, or you take off. It's not designed to translate into long-term behavior or into learning experience, which is what you need to do. So you're far better off if instead of... Um, Pumping up, taking bite by bite stuff. It's what happens in January. People rush into the gym. They pick up all their weights. They do all this stuff for a day or two. They go, oh, my God, that hurts. That burns. I can't believe it. And then what happens? Two weeks later, three weeks later, they're no longer in the gym. Right. They stop. So um, <laughs> you should shut that off. I don't know if you can hear the yeah. background. Somebody's going to say. <laughs> Somebody's calling. That's funny. I don't know what they're talking about. You're the only person I know with a home, home, uh, a landline still. <laughs> you know, and I wish I actually had one connected to the telephone poles, not these internet phones. I, I would, yeah. I would never give it up. Um, yeah. And you know why I use it to find my phone. So <laughs> <laughs> that if I lose my phone, I can call myself. Oh my goodness! As long as it's in the house or the car, I can't. Obviously, I can't do that if it's you know. A, a right, right. Uh, but but going back, it it is the tiny things that we do on a consistent basis for long enough, repeated correctly long enough, that create enduring stuff. You didn't. I mean, some people do. They go, "I'm done," and they're done for good, and they never ever return. Or they go, "I'm going to do this," and they're good forever. Right. But for most people, for ninety nine point eight percent of the people. We need to condition ourselves and we need to learn to train our brain um, out of the previous conditioning and into a new conditioning that allows us to live the kind of life we want to live, to create the experience we want to have, to connect with the people who are important to us and to make the kind of money that we deserve so that yeah. we enjoy all these things. But it it takes time and we're sold on the internet constantly, you know, whether you know, you can do this now and tomorrow you'll be a millionaire or I'm, I create millionaires. And so, you know, do this and, you know, and that's why there's all these disclaimers saying these are not typical results. And you, you know, <laughs> right. because, because it goes back to Napoleon Hill. I don't know what you're going to do with it. Right. Right. But if you do it, you know, if you do the, if you do what is correct repeatedly, 
If you, I, I, in all of my workshops, here's a funny thing you might get a kick out of this. In the 80s and 90s, we used to dance. We did contralateral movements, cross-crawling. We juggled. We did things called good and new. I did stuff with voice and body movement. And the NLP community and the psychiatric community, all these, you're nuts. You're, this is silly. You're goofing around. And I said, it's a whole body experience. It's right. not just your head. We're not just chatting and talking. It's, we have a body, and we can be healthy, and there's things that we can do you know, that, that help us grow exponentially inside and you know, our, our experience. You have to create room inside of yourself so that you have lots to fill it with, right? Yeah. So you, you create room of confidence, of love, of passion, of peace, of enjoyment, of thrill, of excitement, you know, family, friends, career. Um, but you but you create space for it and then you make it happen. And, and and it is a season. But if you keep doing it, you'll make it. So in juggling, here's the thing you need to know. If you're going to start to juggle, you're going to drop balls. So don't yeah. start with the eggs. <laughs> I can juggle, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you're gonna well, so here's, here's how I say it. You know, you juggle, you drop balls, you juggle, you keep doing it, and eventually you get better at juggling. So we start yeah. one or two or three balls, then you can juggle five balls. And if you keep doing it and keep constantly improving, pretty soon you're sitting on a chair on a tightrope eating a sandwich juggling chainsaws because you've learned, you've mastered the art of juggling. And guess what? You'll still drop balls. Yes. <laughs> it's still, yeah. You're still going to drop it. But you didn't juggle one time and then go, I'm done. I've, I've, I've mastered juggling. Right. You, you go through the or process. I give up. I can't get this. Right. Yeah. So it's a process. And where most people are, you're familiar with the unconscious incompetence yep. model. To, yep. I'm sorry. Unconscious incompetence to, un, to unconscious competence. Yeah. Most people in their life are in the conscious competence stage. They're yeah. talking themselves through it with manifesting good things, with having a career, with directing their mind, with giving up drinking. They're, they're talking them through it yeah. and they're consciously competent and they have to stick with that conscious competent phase yeah. long enough for it to become unconscious habit. And then it's reliable and automatic and, and yeah, it's different. But until then, you know, people are, are, it's like how you learn to drive. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, and I, I'm sure you would agree. It's, it's creating those, those new neuro, neuro pathways that, you know, and, and sometimes when you get into something that you've never done, you're firing off of neurotransmitters that you've never used. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so you're going to be in a, in a completely, it's it's like um what's the uh i don't know if this is an nlp thing but you know folding your arms one way try folding them the opposite way okay. I, can't, yeah. I, I can't even do it i don't i don't know how to do it like i i it's very yeah same thing with that yeah it's it's very uncomfortable because you're you're programmed to to so, so with, um, and I was just thinking, I wanted to ask you something. I should have written it down, daggone it. Um, It'll come. Yeah, it will. Let, hold on. Let me say the prayer of St. Anthony. There you go. Tell me, tell <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> so, so well, I, this, listen, I absolutely love all of this stuff. Is there a, um, like you said, you do some teaching online. Is that right? So what, what, how would, um, anyone on here, how would they follow you? I want to create a little ticker to scroll across the bottom of the screen. Oh, okay. Rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. 
That's easy. Yep, my name will take you to my company website, which is IDEA, I-D-E-A, Seminars. And you can get there from idea-seminars.com or nlponline.com. I mean, I have different pointers to it. Yep, yep, that's it. Oh, so and if, if they go there, they'll get a free gift right awesome. at the top of the website. That it's a free gift. They can get my book there, although, I mean, it'll take them to Amazon. I, I already I put the link to your book directly over to Amazon. I'm an Amazon influencer. So it's it's my um, it's my my link from Amazon. So and and I have it. I'll put your book in my Amazon store as well. So oh, thank you, thank you. I don't even know how to do the Amazon store thing yet. You know, I'm trying. Yeah, I uh, got to talk to Ken about that. <laughs> well, it's on it's on Amazon. So um, here you go. So so what was like? You know, Joe Joe said that uh, Wyatt trained Tony Robbins, I think, in NLP or worked with him at some point on, on learning it or whatever. What, where did, where, where did you learn it? Was it, was it Bandler? I, I learned, huh? I worked with Bandler for about 10 years. Yeah. And I learned from Bandler and a whole variety of different people. And I, I trained and at one time there was another there was society of NLP in the National Association of NLP or something, right. and a lot of different organized bodies. I also learned a lot from therapists um, early on when it was being developed, people who, you know, were in and out of the community. And, you know, I, I studied with people all around the world. I lived in a commune which had a meditation and a, a psych, psychiatric psychology evolution bodywork uh, university. And so, you know, I was a university student and I, you know, lived in the commune, loved it. And, it's all good. All, all amazingly good. So, so if you would, for the people who are watching or listening or will listen, um, that may not understand, I mean, NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. And then Tony came up with his own thing. I, yeah. neuro yeah. associative conditioning. It's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. 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 Um, it's just, he, he can, he can trademark that, I guess. Um, but, but the, so ex, explain, explain what, uh, well, I'm, I'm being facetious a little, but explain if you would, um, in, in layman's terms, what NLP is and what the benefits of NLP are. Well, NLP is a, uh, the way I think about it, and I might think about it similarly to other people, but um, it, it's a learning methodology. It's a, it's a way of, of, of how we learn how to learn and uh, how we interact or intersect with the world. Um, it's based on the premise that we don't operate actually on the world, but we operate on a, on a representation of the world inside our head, which, you know, physics, scientists, doctors, everybody will tell you that that's a fact. I mean, you know, we think we're touching something, but we're actually and we are, but, are, you know, the receptors are going off in the brain and that, that gives us that feeling. Um, someone once said, for example, you don't see this, you never see the same face more than once. <laughs> once you see the face that your brain just recreates it in your head, you never actually have to see it again. Wow. Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, you know, out there stuff. Um, so neurolinguistic programming is a way of using your brain and your language uh, and your behaviors to, to bring about change and to be able to communicate more effectively with other people, including yourself. And uh, the idea being that uh, it's goal oriented. You know, if you have a problem, you can overcome it. If you have something you want to add in, you can do that. You can anchor. 
and you can create your states. You know, you were talking about state management earlier and, and manage, and I was talking about attitude. If you go through life just feeling good, not pumped up, not, you know, I got to do this. I'm going to power. Cause you don't, you don't walk into a bank and go, give me a loan. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you go in and go, Hey, you know, things are, you know, I mean, you have to think about it as an exchange of energy, you know, and if your energy is high vibe and you're up and you're feeling good, right. Accomplish a whole lot more. You're going to feel productive. You're going to feel like doing things. One of my favorite things was Muhammad Ali said, I hated to train. I didn't ever wanted to go out and run. Right. Car. He said, but I knew that the trade-off was I could be a world champion if I trained every day and did it, or I could stay in my house and not become a world champion. Yeah. So yeah. I got out and I trained, but what it tells you is, and it goes back to our psychological coddling we talked about earlier. People go, well, I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. I don't feel motivated. Uh, you know, I'd like to do it, but I don't feel like it. You don't have to feel like it. You just have to do it. And if you do it, then you'll start feeling like it. Yep. Motivation doesn't precede productivity. Productivity precedes motivation. So if you go do it, you go out and work out in the gym and you go, wow, that was great. You feel like doing it again. I don't want to go work in the gym. The idea of going to a gym doesn't excite me at all. <laughs> Once I'm there and I've done it, I go, oh, let's do that again. Yeah. So people have to understand if you want to make change, learn how the mechanism works. If you want your TV set to come on, you have to know how to run your remote at least. So you, people should invest in their brain and their and learning how to direct their mind to get the goals that they want so they can live the kind of life that they want to live and, and, or that they deserve to live. And sadly, too many people just go, um, I'd like to, but it's, it's it, the more excuses and blames and whines and complaints that you have, the less you're going to do anything. So you have to stop. There's a guy named Fernando Flores. I've and heard his name. He's not an English. He's not a native speaker, but he came up with the four things you can do with English. You can make a request. I can say, Ken, would you bring me a glass of water? I can promise. I can say, well, Ken, if you bring me a glass of water, I promise to be grateful. Mm -hmm. I can assert. I can say, this is a bottle of water. Mm -hmm. I can declare, if I'm an authority, that this is the best water I have ever tasted because I can't say it's the best water for everybody. So... um. If you, if I say, Ken, please bring me a glass of water and you bring me the water and you throw it on me, did you, did you fulfill my request? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I just wasn't yeah. specific enough to say, Ken, I'd like it in a glass with a slice of lemon and one ice cube, you know, and fill right. it. So the more specific I can be in my request or my asking, the, the more likely I'm going to get back what I put out there and that is could i have a glass of water with you know three quarters full one ice cube and a slice of lemon in it and could i have it in the next five minutes i, I promise you i will be grateful i'll i'll return the favor somehow All right now you do that now i now i, I my turn to promise <laughs> yeah right now an assertion is i'm a man i'm wearing a shirt there are plants behind me those are assertions they're facts you can dispute them but i can say hey you know here's the plant here's my shirt it, it, it's nothing other than a statement of, of, of what we can agree on as, as far as evidence. But a declaration is something different. A declaration, for example, in a court of law, only a judge or a jury can declare you innocent or not, in, not guilty. You don't get to, as a defendant, you don't go, you can say I'm not guilty, but you don't get to declare yourself not guilty. You don't get to walk out of the courtroom going, okay, 
<laughs> enough. I'm not guilty. Um, you don't just get to right. hear things. So it's about authority. So if you say, I'm stupid, the question becomes is, who died and made you God? You're making right. a declarative statement. If you go, I'm the best thing ever, who died and made you God? In other words, and I would, it would be better if it's not egotistical narcissism saying I'm the best thing ever. It would be better for you to say, I am really cool than to say, I am really stupid. Because yeah. you go, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what your yeah. brain does? You know what the only thing your brain does? It say yes. Really? Your brain is a servant. If you go, I'm dumb, your brain goes, yep. <laughs> if you go, I'm smart, your brain will go, yep. It, it, wow. you know, and that's and this goes back to what I discovered when I was sitting in that chair in my room. And that is, if you go, how come I'm so stupid? Your brain, because of the wiring and because of associations, go, well, I don't know. Let's go look. Oh, when you were four years old, you suck your head in a toaster. You didn't have the right education. Your mom did this to you when you were that. Oh, remember, you got that F over here. So it'll come up with all the reasons why you're stupid. And you get to relive those and feel all those bad feelings. That's what your brain does. Go, you wanted it? Boom, you got it. Wow. If you say, how come I'm so brilliant? Your brain goes, I don't know. Let's go look. Now, the yeah. difference is, which do you do more often, is the one that is easier to do. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. this, you know, like that folding thing. If you ask yourself why you're so stupid all the time, it's easy to do. So if you focus on negativity, you get more negativity because it's easy. And if you yeah. focus on positivity, it will become easy. But it's that conditioning process. You have to get through the hump and do it. And, and when you do it, then it'll get easy. And then you'll say, how come I'm so brilliant, Moringa? Because this, and it'll give you all the wonderful stuff that you want. That's so awesome. I think, you know, I think about a couple of things. Um, in the movie, The the Secret, um, there's the guy, I forget his name. Um, he They call him the Miracle Man, where he crashed an airplane. Right, right, right. I forgot his name now, too. They said that, that great hypnotic yeah. connection. <laughs> yeah, but I, like, you know, he... He was flattened. He was totally every bone in his body. Yeah. Yeah. He was, they, they, they said, you'll never walk again. You'll never breathe without a machine again. Like all of these things. And, and he said there was a small voice inside of him saying, you know, force air to your diaphragm and, 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 you know, and he ended up walking out of the hospital. I think about Muhammad Ali saying, I am the greatest. I mean, he said it over and over and over. I am the greatest. And, and you know, I think that, that, man, what you're teaching, I talk about this stuff all the time on my live streams. So I, I love what you're teaching. I'm not an NLP master by, by uh, any certification, but I, I think I'm, I've, I, life has helped me become s something with it. So that's beautiful. Uh, well, and you don't, I mean, I love teaching NLP. I love that people like it. I, I created Mind Design as separate from NLP. It was something I was doing prior to NLP, and I've included some NLP in it. Mind Design really is about how do you make your life marvelous? It's not about fixing, you know, it's not remedial. Like, I broke my arm, how do I fix it? Or I have, right. you can do it. You can, It does. It addresses that. But it's more about how do I live the life I want to do? How do I design my mind, my experience, my feelings? to be incredible, to be savory, to be so enjoyable that when I wake up in the morning, I go, I love my life. This is so cool. I yeah. love that, man. So, so I cannot believe we're at 59 minutes. That's insane. Time so, so, so let me ask you this. And I always, I always like to ask, um, 
you know, what, what do you think? And, and the number one answer to this question is fear, by the way. Sure. Um, what do you think holds most people back from, and I'm going to say two things. They're not necessarily related, um, but financial success and joy and freedom in, in life. And, and, wow. and I know they're not totally related, but I'm going to tell you, I've been homeless right. and broke right. and I've been very wealthy and wealthy is better. Of course. <laughs> way better. So, so I have no argument with you there. Yeah. So, so what do you think is holding people back? A thought. Just a thought. Well, I mean, it's, it does translate into fear or worry or anxiety or whatever, but, but, um, you know, one of the things that, that I discovered actually at that, at that commune that I lived in, in the meditation that we did, and I, I write about it in my book and talk about it in my workshops and things is we did something where we did a, and I do not, I don't, I'm not telling people to do this. So this is not advice. It's, you know, okay. But what we did was we would run in place, lifting our knees as high as we possibly could toward our chest and, you know, do this kind of thing for about 15 minutes. And we would do this in teams. And so uh, if I were running, I would have a, a teammate next to me who was my motivator, you know, essentially my Zen stick. So as I started to tire out or go, I can't do that, they would go run harder, yell, scream. They would, they would encourage me to keep going. And I got to tell you, after about 30 seconds of running, you know, top speed with your knees as high as you can, I'd go, I'm dying. My chest is going to explode. I can't do this. Right. Like the guy, and they go, run harder, do it. Yell, scream, and be, Aah! and it was excruciating. It was horrible. It was painful. It was one of the, some of the worst things I've ever done. Because every couple of, every couple of seconds, I go, I'm dying. I can't do this. I won't do and then suddenly 15 minutes was up and then we had another part of the meditation, which was to freeze, which again, you know, people in terms of health, this may not be a wise thing because of cool down periods and things like that. By the way, if you're an older person and you're thinking of taking up jogging, a lot of people who jog don't jog for the rest of their lives because they end up with a heart attack or something. They tell people to start very slow, start by walking, walk for six months or a year, then add a little speed, then, you know, work your way up to it so that your body has time to adjust because your body may be conditioned to do something quite different than your intention. So, but so the point being is, is, and I've asked this question for 40 years in my worship, what stops most people? And the answer is always, it's a thought. It's a mental packet of energy. It doesn't even exist anywhere except in chemicals and electricity inside your brain. It's a, it's a mental phenomenon. And whether it's a fear, you know, a belief that you can't do it, a worry that it's not going to work out, you know, or something, it's a thought. And what you need to learn to do is overcome your thought and your thinking. And that's why aiming your mind in a positive direction. I may not know how to do this yet, but I can learn. And here's one of the most important things I'd like to say. The Wright brothers are responsible for all of our air travel and our rocket ships today, if you think about it. And, and yep. so were those people who created balloons and lighter than air, you know, stuff. But the Wright brothers did not know how to fly until after they flew, in the same way that Edison didn't know how to make a light bulb until he made one. Um, or Ford didn't know how to build a car until he built one. You know what I mean? In other words, the Wright brothers were experimenting. They were trying different things. They were bike makers. Their own dad said, you guys are idiots. This is stupid. Give it up. You know, you're never right. going to use. 
But they kept doing it and they kept experimenting. And every time they failed, they got feedback and said, well, let's try this instead. And then one day, guess what? They got this 11 second, 12 second flight. And they were like, wow, we can do that again now. That's how they they learned to fly after they flew. Right. Until they flew, they were experimenting. And this is what people need to understand. You may not know how to be rich yet, but if you start working at it and you develop the mental attitude and the feeling that you can do this and you do it bite by bite, bit by bit, even if it takes some time, if you persist and see it through and commit to it, you can do it. The most beautiful story for me is the story of Edwin C. Barnes in Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Who said, I have come to put Edison on notice that I will be his partner. And Edison said, I'm looking at a bum. Nothing about him is remarkable except the look in his eye. There was something there. So I gave him a job as a janitor. And for five years, Barnes worked as a janitor. And Hill writes, there was no outward evidence that he was ever going to be a partner of Edison. But in his mind, he kept that alive. I am a partner of Edison. I am doing this for that. When the opportunity presented itself to sell a, a new dictaphone, he said, I'll do it. Edison made him a partner. You know, he sold it and, and the rest is history. He yeah. kept it alive in spite of all contrary evidence. And this is what we, we are such a, a culture of weak-willed people. I'm not saying you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps constantly because you shouldn't have to. Life should be fun. You shouldn't have to be solving problems all the time. You should be enjoying life and, and having good things happen. Yeah. But you do it like anything. You know, you prepare the meal. It takes time. You bake a cake. It takes time. You know, you, you run a bath. It takes time for the tub to fill. So everything takes a certain amount of time. Get over it, okay? And realize that you have all the resources inside you that are untapped that you can tap into. And if you don't know how to do it yet, the Wright brothers didn't know how to do it. They just kept trying. They just kept experimenting. And ultimately, they succeeded. And so will you. If you can conceive it and believe it, then you can achieve it. I Amen, amen, and amen. And I, you know... I mean, I don't want to, I, I, I don't use this term every day, like some people, but we do have a lot of snowflakes in this world anymore that, that, you know, I mean, and I, I don't mean it from a political sense. I'm talking about you, you, there is a, there is a level of stick to that has to occur at, and, and, you know, this, this whole concept of, well, try it for six months. If it doesn't work out, go get something else. Like I, I don't, I can't relate to that. Like you try it until it works out. <laughs> That's uh, that, I mean, unless it's un, unethical or morally bad or, you know, whatever. But, but I think that we have to, as a society, we have to, we have to learn that, you know, there, there are challenges. I mean, Scott Peck says it in his book, the first three words, life is difficult. Yeah. And the sooner that we accept that, the easier it becomes to transcend the difficulties in life. It's truly beautiful. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, people people keep looking outside themselves for answers. They go, well, so-and-so has it or such-and-such such has it or God can give it to me or the Republicans can give it to you, the Democrats can give it yeah. they, they get all out into all sorts of everything but what actually works, which yeah. is focus on what you want and then work to bring it about. Amen. You know who makes, you know, and oddly, I mean, you know, most of the successful people in this country are immigrants. Yep. Because they come here because for the longest time, I mean, it may be changing today, but for the longest time, America was the land of opportunity, land of dreams. People would come over here and go, 
wow, I have a chance to to escape, you know, the circumstances that I live in and now do something. And they worked really hard. And guess what? They started a laundry. They started this. They started that. Whatever kind of business. And now they're multimillionaires, right? Yep. And the American kids are growing up going, this country sucks. I can't get ahead. Everything is stacked against me. You know, <laughs> the rich won't let me in and the poor are banging on my door. It sucks. I know. You have, know. You have to change your attitude. You have to, you, you know, you have to come at it differently. I love it, man. I love it. You're you're a thousand percent right. I, I totally agree with you. Rex, I have really enjoyed having you on the show today. I have been thrilled to be on your show. This this is this is one of those like feather in my cap moments. I'm thrilled to be on your show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I I'm I'm very grateful. I really am. I, I'm I, I really appreciate you. Um you know, and that this show is an example of what you were just talking about, because when I first started, I, my thought was, I'm just going to start talking to people and do it online. And and then I was like, wow, this this show's really turning into something pretty cool. So, you know, you've made it work. I mean, that's the very cool thing. And and, yeah. and to have, you know, 300 guests and 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 you know the caliber of your guests is awesome too you know i mean you know it's like very very cool you just added to that so thank you i appreciate that i said and you just added to that <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, thank you. yeah. No, i mean it, it's truly a, it's, it's a great accomplishment and to have an audience and a following and to be able to reach out especially when there's so much noise and yeah. noise and and you know, um, I had, I, oh, thanks, Robert. Thank you. Um, I had, I had concerns, hygiene. I had concerns when the internet started that it would go the same way as the network television, you know, that ultimately the big guys would carve it up and, and yeah. the little people would be, you know, you know, chomping at the, the, the chum left over in the water kind of thing. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, you, 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 you made inroads into an area that is difficult to make inroads into. So uh, that's awesome. Hey, you know, I, I think, um, and one of the things I, I coach my, my clients on is, um, I, I, I don't, I, I have a very difficult time seeing myself as one of the little guys. I, I just, you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I, although I'm, I, I didn't even graduate high school. Um, I still don't see myself as a little guy and, 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 you know, I think that we all have the same opportunities in life. And, and we can have anything and everything that we want. Everything that you teach is absolutely the truth. So everybody watching, go to RexSykes.com. Do you know how hard your name is to say with all those S's after? <laughs> and I grew up having to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got it down. Uh, um, from my perspective, it's, it's, a, it's almost a new language. Um, but I'm kidding. So Rex, go to rexsykes.com and he said there's a free gift on there for you yeah. when you get there. So go over there and where can I, where's the best place to follow you, Rex, on social media? Oh, well, they can follow me on Facebook. They can follow me on Twitter. Um, I do have an Instagram account. I, I'm either Rex Steven Sykes in some cases or Rex Sykes. Okay. And um, I don't know what else there is. I mean, Beautiful. yeah, no. It's incredible. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your experience, strength, and hope. And 
Um, I truly believe that you've helped some people today. So thank you. And I know that everybody watching right now is going to follow you and jump on your website. So, so right. thank you so much. Stay with me. I'm going to end the live stream. Okay. But Rex, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate your viewers and your listeners and the people who are changing their lives and helping others change their lives as a result of sharing what you do. So that's very, very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you guys have a great day and we will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.